Well, good morning, church. Well, first of all, I just want to say it feels so, so good to be home. Um, there really is no place like home. The past couple months, Isaac and I have been enduring the Canadian cold and all of its challenges. Brutal, brutal weather. Day in and day out, I think it was a 75 degree high one day. Oh, gosh. It was terrible. I couldn't stand it. It was freezing. It was awful. I am so glad to be back in the 115 degree heat at 9 p.m. That is, that, yeah. Those of you who genuinely clap for that, uh, we'll pray for you afterwards. Um, <laughs> um, but again, I am really, really glad to be back with you all this week. And to our online community as well, welcome home. We are glad you are here as well. We are wanting you to get in here one of these days, but for now, we are so happy you're here with us as well. Now, I just want to make sure that you're all awake this morning, which the Minute Mingle went well. To start us off, I want to try something today. As a quick refresher, if this happens to be maybe your first time that you've been with us, we are in a series called No Cap, Pre-Decide for a Better Life. We're talking all about the power of our decisions because as we've said previously in the past couple weeks, the quality of our decisions determine the quality of our lives, right? We make our decisions and our decisions make us. Our decisions are incredibly important and we know this, right? But the problem is if we were to be really honest, most of us really aren't the best decision makers. No cap. Now, if you don't know what no cap means, um, here's a quick little refresher. Uh, no cap essentially is a statement, no lie, that a person is telling the truth and not exaggerating. It often follows an unbelievable statement. So in the spirit of no cap, if I say a statement that you believe is no true, or that you believe no true, that you believe is true, I want you to respond with no cap. Okay? Does that make sense? So let's start with an easy one, because I know some of you guys are looking at your neighbor like, I don't really, are you going to say something? I don't, I don't really want to say anything. I don't know if anybody else is going to do it. So we'll start with an easy one. Jesus is the greatest of all time. No cap, no cap baby. Pastor Daniel has a really shiny head on stage. <laughs> yeah, y'all got really into that one. <laughs> this has been a phenomenal series so far. And this year, I want to get closer to Jesus. No cap. Now, if you decided maybe to skip out on the last one, don't worry about it. If this is your first time in church or it's been a while since you've walked into a church, first of all, I just want to say I'm so glad you came home. I'm so glad you took the time out of your Sunday to be with us today. Um, so no pressure. You're, almost, you're amongst friends. And, but for those of us who have been walking this thing out for a few years, a few weeks, and maybe a few hours, this message is for us and for you. It's a non-negotiable in our walks with Jesus. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma so let me paint this picture for you, taking it all the way back to a 17-year-old Israel, about 145 pounds soaking wet, extremely shy, and about to graduate his senior year in high school. Now, like so many of us who hit the point of graduation, maybe you can remember it, right before we graduate, we're either celebrating because we're like, I get to start the rest of my life, I get to go to college, or you're stressing out because you're not even going to graduate high school. There's a couple of questions that get brought up to you when you're kind of going through this stage. It sounds something like this. So have you picked the college you're going to? Have you figured out what you want to do with your life? What are you going to invest tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars pursuing in your life? 
And me personally, my response was always the same kind of off the top of my dome kind of response. Like, oh, I'm going to go to community college, get my prerequisites, because it sounded like the responsible thing to say. But realistically, I would ask in my head, I'd be thinking, why do you expect an answer? I had to ask permission to go to the bathroom at 17 years old in a classroom not a week ago. But now you expect me to know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like, let's, this is a little bit of a, it's an overwhelming statement. Now, I, don't, I didn't know what my life was going to look like. And I always had to think there has to be more to life than just school. There has to be more to life than this. Now, looking back, in all seriousness, have you ever felt this feeling? And maybe it's just me. You're kind of just disappointed with life. <laughs> Welcome to Sunday. <laughs> but really, like if, you're, if we're really being honest and we really take a moment to think about it, you're not exactly where you thought you'd be by this point. Maybe by this time you hit a certain age where you would plan to be moved out, married with kids, a dog, a white picket fence, and a, and a really nice house. Maybe life hasn't been what you thought it was going to be. You figured by now you would have accomplished everything you had set out to accomplish when you graduated college. Maybe by now, by the time you hit 65, you thought, you know what, I will be retired, and you hope to be retired, but it just hasn't quite gone your way. Maybe you thought you'd be an empty nester by now, but they just won't leave my house. <laughs> I haven't heard that one yet, thank God. <laughs> if that's not you, well, maybe you are one of those very few who spent years and years chasing that dream and that goal, the career that you've always wanted. And when you finally got what you wanted out of life and you finally made it to the finish line, you were hit with a sobering reality that it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. The dream I had in my head of what this was going to be like, the satisfaction and the happiness that I thought this one thing would bring me just didn't quite hit the way that I wanted to. And now, when this sobering reality hits, it feels like I've wasted time because it didn't bring me the happiness and satisfaction I wanted it to. I still feel empty, and now I'm painfully aware of the fact that I'm not getting any younger. Life is just passing me by. And even if you're in your early 20s, let me tell you something. I just turned 25 in August, and my metabolism is already just like like, it's, it's, it's already going. Like, I ate a box of pizza. Well, I guess the problem, my first problem is I ate a box of pizza. But I woke up feeling terrible the next day. So it's, it's, it's going downhill. But bottom line is life moves so quickly. And if we put our eggs in the wrong basket, that is terrifying, right? If I didn't pick the right career, if I didn't pick the right subject to study, that is a terrifying thought. There has to to be more to life than this. There has to be more. There has to be something more dependable that I can put my eggs in to where it, I know that it will, I will reap the benefits of a fruitful life, right? Again, in this series, we are taking the next couple of weeks and choosing to pre-decide in advance how we're going to respond or react to a specific situation, right? With a specific action. Again, our phrase being this, when faced with blank, I have pre-decided to blank. We're not waiting until the future to decide in the moment. But with the wisdom of God, 
we're deciding ahead of time. And there are six specific areas that we're pre-deciding in that we're going to be to reflect the goodness of God as followers of Jesus rather than trying to make it work in the midst of our situation or in the midst of the problem itself. So these are the six. These are the uh, six. Yeah, six. I had had my glasses on. See, I'm telling you, age is going down quick. (laughs) So these, I want you to say these with me. These are the ones that we have been, these are the pre-decided I am statements that we have decided to take on over the next couple weeks. Um, And I want you to read them with me. I will say I am, and you read the word at the top. Ready? I am. I am. I am. I am. I am. And I am a finisher. Now this first week, the first week that we did this series, we pre-decided that I am ready. Again, say it with me. I am ready. That when it comes to temptation, by planning ahead of time and pre-deciding my specific action when faced with whatever it may be, whatever it is that you struggle with, I will be an overcomer. But so many times we don't plan to fail, we just fail to plan, right? So last week we talked about being consistent and Abby did an amazing job delivering that message. I still can't get that red letter Y out of my head, the red letter championship. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, do yourself a favor and watch that on our YouTube channel. It was really good. Um, But we talked about being consistent. Say it with me. I am consistent. Beautiful. I am devoted. I am generous. I am faithful and I am a finisher. But this week we're going to be locking in on the third one, I am devoted. Now, I am devoted to Jesus. With God's help, I will be devoted to him. Devoted not just in our work, not just in my workout routine, but as followers of Jesus, we are going to be completely devoted to Jesus. In Matthew 6, uh, verse 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom I forgot, and his righteousness, that's my typo of the day. But seek first the kingdom of his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Somebody say it with me. Seek first. first. Seeking first God. And by seeking first his kingdom, we are devoted to God. And when we're devoted to God, we are devoted to his kingdom. And then all these things that you've been searching for are now added to your life. The peace that you've been looking for, the joy that you've been looking for, the freedom that you've been looking for, not freedom as I see it, but the freedom that transcends my circumstances and can only be achieved by being fully, completely, and utterly devoted to Jesus. When you seek first God, God will bring fulfillment into your life. And that's why we're going to get this phrase locked into our heads moving forward. I know this has probably been one of the most interactive services you've had all week or the past couple weeks, but I want you, I want this to stick. Are you ready? Okay. I will seek first the one who matters most. I am devoted to Jesus. Let's do it again. I will seek first the one who matters most, I am devoted to Jesus. Beautiful. This is, this, if you were to put this, 
the key phrase or, or the gold star next to your notes today, if you're taking notes, this would be the golden phrase. I will seek first the one who matters most. I am devoted to Jesus because I have predecided that before tomorrow comes, I will seek first the one who matters most because I am devoted to Jesus. Now, some of the practical thinkers in the room are thinking, well, this is good, right? But how do I get there? How can I practice this concept on a daily basis? Well, let me give you context for the message. We're going to be going into the book of Acts. When you see these first century believers, just to give you context, when you see these first century believers, after Jesus had died and had been resurrected by the Holy Spirit, when all the believers were together, God sent a mighty wind to be like a storm to fill these believers with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now the question remains, what were these passionate, newly found, spirit-filled people devoting themselves to? Acts 2, chapter 2, verse 42 tells us this. They devoted themselves, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. See, they heard the will of God, the word of God. They fellowshiped together. They broke bread together. And kind of like the groups we have on Wednesdays or even the Bible study group we're starting in the next couple weeks, and even in our smaller, more intimate settings, they were completely devoted to prayer. And then what followed this devotion to God was awe and wonder at the miracles the apostles had performed. They were blessed and they were fulfilled because they made it a non-negotiable to be devoted to the things that kept them close to Jesus. They They were devoted to kingdom work. They were devoted to kingdom connections because let's be honest, we can find all kinds of connections. There's no shortage of that with social media, but a kingdom connection, that's rare. The apostles stayed devoted to the things that made them close to God. They remained close to the people, the people in their circles, the people that they go to church with, the people that hold them accountable to going going to Bible study, showing up on Wednesday nights. They stayed around the people that kept them close to God. They sought first the things that mattered most. They were devoted to Jesus, right? To seeking his righteousness, his kingdom, And then God added everything else that they were going to need. After that, they had one of the most effective ministries of all time. Even non-believers would look at what they were doing and thinking, wow, how are they doing that? How do they have that much love in their hearts? How are they accomplishing the awes and wonders that they're accomplishing? That kind of authenticity that makes non-believers stop and think, man, they're really doing the thing over there. That is a type of authenticity that can only come by being completely devoted to Jesus and by seeking the one who matters most. So let me ask this. Is devotion to God a one-time event? Is my devotion to God limited to the day that I got baptized? Funny enough, actually, the Greek translated this word devotion or devoted it's, it's translated in the imperfect tense, meaning that it is a continual and ongoing devotion. This devotion to God requires consistency. It's funny. It's almost like the messages from last week connect to this week, which lead back to why we should be devoted to Christ. 
It's almost like we planned it. (laughs) Because again, church, I want you to hear me. This is not a one-time devotion. This isn't a one-time devotion where I got baptized and now my life is supposed to be phenomenal and great and everything's supposed to be hunky-dory. It's a continuous and ongoing devotion. The disciples were described this way. Described, they were described as seeking first the one who matters most. It was a single-minded, ongoing, and continuous seeking of the things of God. But just for a second, could you imagine this verse being written to the modern Christian? what we may call a cultural Christian. And some of you guys are looking at my outfit and you're like, you look like a cultural Christian right now. (laughs) Well, guess what? God made me in his image and he made me the way he made me. Or it could be called a casual Christian, whatever it is that you, whatever, whatever, you know, tickles your fancy, whatever, whatever tickles your ears. Even if you like that phrase a little bit more, you know, this is this, the cultural Christian, the modern Christian is the one who believes in God or a God. This is the one that believes, but you, you won't ever hear them mention it to their coworkers. You won't ever hear them mention it on Instagram. You won't ever hear them really mention it. You won't see it in their lives morally. And then when you, they may show up to church if they wake up, kind of, maybe, and if the weather's like perfect. And then when you ask them, so how, how do you kind of navigate life? Like, and you go to them for advice, they say, well, I, I just kind of do my best to just be a good person. Imagine what this verse may look like in the MVC version of the Bible, the modern Christian version. It would sound something like this. In Acts 2.42, that same verse, they devoted themselves to themselves. They continually pursued a self-centered life of comfort and ease. Oof. Now listen, I want you guys to hear my heart on this. This is not meant to be rude. This is not meant to be nitpicky. Because again, these people and the people that we come in contact with, these are actually people you probably get along with really well. They probably enjoy being around them, to be honest with you, but they, just like all of us, have normal everyday desires. This is all normal stuff that we deal with, so let's talk about it, right? I want a good job. I want to marry someone at some point. I want to have Kids, I want to have a big house. And sometimes, sometimes the, this is, what, this, is what, the, what, what this perception goes into. This is as deep as the roots go. They say, I want to marry somebody. I, 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 I want to have kids. I want to have a big house. I want to travel the world in my 60s. And then, you know, after I travel a little bit, I want to die and go to heaven. That is the summation of their Christian experience. And some of you may say, well, that's not me, Israel. And truthfully, in many cases, it may not be you. And that's okay. And hopefully it's not you, but maybe, just maybe, maybe it is. And I want to show you this little illustration so that maybe it can give a little bit of perspective. Um, Go ahead and throw that first slide up for me real quick. This here represents one week of our lives divided into 168 parts. Each week of our lives has 168 hours that we get to spend. We can spend it on whatever we choose, but we only get 168. Each individual line represents one hour of our week. Does that make sense? Yeah? Now, let's be 100% honest. Think about how much time you devote to your activities, really. Like, just take a, like a casual mental inventory. How much time do you devote to your activities? Because... 
I believe everyone in here would agree that the amount of time that you spend on one thing or an activity would correlate with your level of devotion to it, right? If you only spend 30 minutes cleaning your house a week, your house is going to look disgusting, right? And if you spend two and a half hours, four hours, five hours on your golf swing, you're going to have a pretty good golf swing, right? So the average person on a weekly basis, let's just, we're going to start breaking this down. Research shows that the average person on a weekly basis, unless you suffer from sleep apnea or, 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 or something like that, spends about one-third of this time sleeping. One-third of that time is spent to sleep. And sleep, you got to love a good night's sleep, man. Anyways, on top of sleep, on top of the sleep that we've accumulated, we've spent another one-third of this 168 hours in a week devoted to schooling, work, getting your job, all that stuff. That is the other one-third. Kind of looking like we don't have a lot of time left. So when we take a step back and you look at it, you and I are left with 56 flexible hours left to spend in the week. It's like a time budgeting class. So let's take it a step further. How many of you, right by a show of hands, how many of you are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, Pinterest, Reddit? Raise your hands. Come on. Everybody who's on, let's go. Come on. Let's do it. I told you, I was going to make sure you guys were awake and not just by yelling at you either. Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, Pinterest, Reddit, MySpace, I don't know. But the research shows that the average person, and I promise it wasn't a trap. I just wanted to help, like, we got to wake up a little bit here. The average person spends about 17 hours a week consuming content. That's a good chunk of time left to spending doing nothing. And I'm not talking at you, I'm talking with you, because I have spent my, I probably spent half of that in one day scrolling on social media. So this, this hit for me. Now, when we look at our time after sleep, work, social media, church, we are left with 39 hours left in the week. Now, for the rest of the time, this, this 39 hours is spent on everything else right? This is a time spending out hanging with your friends, devoted time to your significant other that you're building a relationship with or that you're continuing to keep your relationship with, hitting up your killer gym routine. For some, it's taking the kids to school, to dance practice, getting gas, doing laundry, binge watching a new anime or Netflix series. This is everything else. Seems like a pretty relatable life, at least in my opinion. But wait a second, there's actually one little tick left there. I don't, what is, I, social media, school, there's one left. Oh, we're Christian. That's right. I forgot. We're supposed to be Christian. So you know what, Lord? My time is valuable. I'm going to give you, you know what? I'm going to dedicate that one to you, God. I'm going to dedicate that to you. One hour. See, I know, <laughs> I already hear it in my head. Well, Israel, I spend at least two hours a day with God. Sorry, that's, I don't know why we went British, but that's just what, uh, in, my, in my head, that's what I think of. And, and so, oh, sorry, Marty. Um, but really, some are thinking, man, I, I spend more than that a week. Okay, Israel, little 25-year-old that forgot to wash his hair. I applaud you. 
And I want to applaud you on that. I want to applaud you if you spend more than one hour a week with God and spending that time with him. But see, the modern Christian, and even as I look back in the seasons of my life where I felt the most lost, some don't even do that. The times where I felt the most lost, I was expecting, I had this expectation in my heart of the full, ripe, completely developed fruits of the spirit with the bare minimum, if any time, spent in the garden where they grow the most. I wanted more peace. I wanted more joy. I wanted more love, more kindness, more self-control. I wanted those to be the evident fruits in my life without devoting any time to the places that kept me closest to Christ. And then I got mad at God. I'm like, Lord, why am I not more nice to people at the gym? And anybody who's seen me at the gym knows how I have a really, really bad gym face. Anybody who's seen me there, I'm like, Lord, why am I not more patient? Lord, why do I not feel happy right now? I didn't spend any time in the garden where that would grow. So let me take it back and forgive me for stating the obvious, okay? But, and this may seem like a, oh, okay, obvious statement, but nobody ever gets good at anything by devoting one hour a week to it, Right? If you only exercise one hour a week and eat whatever you want the rest of the week, you will not keep the weight off. If you only dedicate one hour a week to studying, you're probably not going to pass your classes. If you only spend one hour a week with your spouse, you are not going to have the dream marriage that you wanted where there's equal communication and you feel like you're heard and your heart is taken care of. One hour a week. So when we spend only one hour a week with God, partially devoted to him, man, it's no wonder why every other week we're backsliding into old habits, reinvesting into old toxic relationships and connections, and hardly ever have the confidence to share our faith. Without continual devotion, the modern Christian spends more time focusing on what other people think rather than placing value on what God thinks right? I'll take it a step further. The modern Christian, without being devoted to Christ, battles day in and day out with a lukewarm faith walk, wondering if there's anything more to life than sleeping, working, and repeat. This is the reality, church. If we are not connected to God, we begin to question why we're even here. Oh, man, I don't know why that came out of me just now, but that, I don't know what... We begin to question why we're here. Because there's got to be more to life than this, right? But let's think. If I only give God the leftovers, if I only give God the bare minimum, we have to take an honest look. And this is where some of the self-reflection and the honesty with yourself comes into play and where I had to be honest with myself as well. If I'm okay with giving God my leftovers, I have to ask myself a sobering question and say, Am I really devoted to God? Is he really important enough in my life for me to take that step? Because you and I both know, church, that I will not just walk the abundant life filled with the things of Jesus. No one just, see, no one just woke up one day and was like, I'm just a spiritual powerhouse today. I've not read one page in the Bible, but I have all kinds of verses just locked in a Rolodex. 
I watch a lot of old movies. That's why I know what a Rolodex is. <laughs> that sounded like, that, there's like different silences. That sounded like confused silence. Like, how does he know what a Rolodex is? <laughs> and it's this side of the room that's laughing. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> but really, what did Marty say a long time ago? If you've been around Reveal for a while, Marty says, if you go with the flow, the flow don't know. Because when you just go with the flow, our natural drift is towards chaos. Our natural drift is distance from God. Our natural drift is to be away from Christ because that's just our human nature. Again, come on, you never woke up like, wow, I woke up knowing scripture by memory. You know, this ministry, I just have a powerful ministry now because I just woke up and I don't know how I got here. I didn't put any work in, but I just, I just woke up and I have an amazing ministry. I can't believe it. I don't know how it happened. I just got close to God. I'm so involved in church and I didn't even ask to be. There's like 12 people that know my name. I don't know theirs. It doesn't happen by accident. The fruits of the spirit, here's one. You know, I just became morally pure. I just became so pure. I don't struggle with any temptation anymore. I don't even struggle with sin. Somebody be like, how do you do it? Like, I don't know. I just woke up this way. You're not Yonsei. You don't wake up like this. You just don't. If you want to see that one hit a little bit later. <laughs> if you want to be fully devoted to Jesus, you and I both know the fact we can all agree on is it is not going to happen by accident. That's why we're going to pre-decide deciding ahead of time that I want to live in an ongoing, single-minded pursuit of Jesus, being devoted to him. Now, how do we do that? Okay, we've been talking about the idea of devotion and, and how the first century Christians did it, right? But how do we do this, okay? In John chapter 15, verse five, and some of you guys already know where we're going, says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do everything you set your mind to. Oh, my bad. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's look at this. Jesus says, our job in this, I, or Jesus says, I am the vine. And what are you, church? You are the branch. Beautiful. Let's understand the roles here. Because some of us think that, some of us think that, that I, I'm the vine, I'm, I, I'm independent, I make my own money, I make my own happiness, I make my own this, I make my own that, I can give my life fulfillment, God. But let's look at the roles here. Again, I want you to repeat after me, Jesus is the vine. Let's do it again. Jesus is the vine. There we go. Say it again. Jesus is the vine. And I am the branch. So this is the key. When you, the branch, stay connected to Jesus, who, as we said, is what again? The vine. What happens, this really cool thing starts to happen, is we start to bear spiritual fruit. Again, when we look at Galatians 5, it says love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, joy, and self-control. If we walk around, if you saw somebody walking around consistently on a daily basis, so full of life, so joyful, so faithful, and just the nicest person in the world, 
that was connected to the vine, do you really think they're wondering if there's more to life than this? Of course not. Because in our human nature, we are living at the highest and most fulfilling calling that we can on earth, displaying the fruits of the spirit and displaying the results of our connection to Jesus. You're living for and in the things that matter most. So how does this happen? There is one word that is written 11 times within this chapter, and it's the word remain. The word remain from the Greek word mean, comes from the Greek word meno, and it means to abide, to dwell in, to live in. Now, this goes far past a weekly one-hour in-service, you know, to hear the word of God. This goes past a duty or an obligation to, to read or spend time alone with God. Now, this is a pre-decision to predecide to seek first the one who matters most because without being connected to the vine, we start to become a dead limb. We become a shell of who we were in Christ. We only experience a fraction of the abundant life that God's promised us. That is why as a body and individually in our own lives, we will predecide that I will not allow for my life to just derail it's not just going to, I'm not going to allow for it to derail my walk with God. I choose to not simply be a victim of my circumstances. I will use consistency to devote myself to God, staying connected to the vine. Because without him, I don't get the spiritual nutrients that I need. I don't. And if I don't get the nutrients, I won't bear any fruit. And to be quite honest, when I'm not connected to the vine and I'm not getting the nutrients that I need, I'll break a lot easier when it comes to the temptation that I face in my life. I will break a lot easier when life just hits me with the storm that I didn't see coming. I will break so much easier when I'm not connected to the source. And let me get, let's get real for a second. Your boyfriend is not your source. Your validation from your boss that you did a good job is not your source. My father, as great of a man as he is, and as much of a God-fearing man as he is, he is not my source. And for some, that was like, whoa. He is not my source. My mother is not my source. My purpose that was given to me by God to walk on this earth is not my source. Because how many of you know a purpose without the produce of the fruits of the spirit is just going to leave me grasping at straws trying to find the fulfillment that I'm looking for. The fulfillment that I'm looking for only comes from being connected to the vine. And everyone and nothing, everything and everything, or everyone and everything else will fail to sustain us if they are our source. Because here's the tricky part. When you, so let's say, let's, let's play like this. So let's say you've been doing good. You've been coming to church every week. This is the tricky part. And you see it happen so often. You may have been involved. You may have been coming every single week to service. You may just be freshly baptized. You may have started to create some awesome kingdom connections. But what happens is when that time that you used to give to God and that time you used to give to kingdom work 
all that time starts to be given to him or her or is given to something else other than Christ, you will begin to lose your strength. And this is the dangerous part, church. And I, and I wanted to bring a tree on stage, but it was 1030 at night when I put the slides together. But I, I wanted to give you a visual. But let me ask you, this is the dangerous part. When you cut a branch from a tree, what happens to the branch? Nothing happens to it immediately. Nothing. It's just on the ground. It's just a little lower than what it, where it was. You may have been involved. But when nothing happens to it and it sits on the ground after you first severed it, the branch doesn't die overnight. The fruit doesn't die overnight. It doesn't die at the immediate point of disconnect. It gets disconnected and it begins to fade over time. It dies. Even the fruit that you were bearing, the joy, the peace, the love, the happiness that you had when you were in a good place, that doesn't spoil immediately. That's how the enemy tricks us. Because you disconnected from the church, you disconnected from the people that made you a better you, and you still feel pretty okay. You feel all right. But you spend one week, two weeks, without being connected to the vine, that once good fruit starts to get a little rotten. And then once you've gone long enough, and I'm speaking this from experience, so hear me. When, you stick, when you've been gone long enough, you stick and you're stuck, sitting in a moment of silence, thing. how the heck did I get here? I don't feel the same as I used to. I was fine without church and without God for a minute. In the beginning, well, yeah, because you were living off the leftovers of your fruitful experience with Christ. And when I'm living off the leftovers, and I'm not connected to the vine getting continuously new fruit, it's terrible, it sucks, and I just don't walk and act and live the same way. Living off the leftovers is terrible. Now, if I may be so bold, if that's how it feels living off the leftovers, how do you think it makes God feel when you give him your leftovers? <sighs> be the branch. I will seek first the one who matters most. I am devoted to Jesus. Is this making some sense this morning? Is this making some sense this morning? Good. We're going to keep moving. So we've gone through the process, okay? So here's what we're going to do. To make sure that we stay connected in an effort to pre-decide right now, as you sit here in your seats, I'm going to give you a game plan on how to achieve this practically in our lives, right? It's nice. It's good to talk about it, and it's good to understand the concept. But here's the practicality that I want to give you guys today. Now, here's a disclaimer. This is not a lose 50 pounds overnight. This is not, a, uh, this is not a, a get rich quick scheme. This is not something that, this isn't the magical remedy to get you to do what you want to do. As we've discussed, this is going to take some effort. This is going to take, you're not going to do this by accident, okay? So I want to just put that disclaimer out there. I don't, this isn't the one trick magic solution that's going to fix everything. 
But as we've already said, again, these things don't happen by accident. So this is where our first two weeks of I am ready, I am consistent, are the pathways leading to us being fully and completely devoted to God. So here we go. Practical game plan time. The first thing we're going to do, the first pre-decision that we're going to make, it's three things. Go ahead and hit it up on the screen for me. I will pre-decide a time. I even put an emoji up there because it helps my brain. I like pictures. Now this can be any time in the morning. This can be before your day starts. This could be before you drop the kids off at school. This could be before you pick them up. As you're drinking your morning cup of coffee, you get out of the, this could even be, I did this for a while, this could even be before you get out of your car to go to the gym. You could drive all the way to the gym, blast some worship music, or can try to find a way to connect with God before you get out of the gym to do something for you. Seek first the one who matters most. Again, it's just about this whole concept of pre-deciding a time. It's just to say, I will pre-decide to carve out t- this time for the one who matters most. Again, this whole idea of I will seek first by pre-deciding a time. The second one is I will pre-decide a place. That's kind of what Canada looked like a little bit. A lot of mountains. Again, this can be anywhere, okay? Preferably somewhere that you go to every day so that on an off day or if you happen to miss a day, you won't forget it. Again, this could be your favorite chair. It could be your desk at work. It could be your literal closet. And we talked about a Daniel's prayer closet last week. It could be your literal closet if you're fancy enough to have a walk-in closet or if it's not cl- like super cluttered or anything like that. You c- it could literally be your closet. Shut the door and you'll see like the little fingers from the kids. Mom, where are you? Coming out the bottom. So you have time. You have time. That's why you get rid of them first. It can be on your commute to work. You know, and preferably, you know, probably not on the commute to work. The only reason why I would say that's probably not the most ideal is because it's really hard to, like, have you ever tried to, like, listen to somebody talking while you're super focused on driving? It kind of just, it doesn't work, right? You you heard it, but you didn't hear it, and then they get frustrated with you because they're like, you don't even listen to me, and you're like, I'm listening, I'm just trying not to kill us right now. So it's, it's probably not the best time, Okay. But, if, but hear me, if that's the best you got for that day, if it is genuinely the best time that you have, do it. Don't, make it an ex- don't allow for it to become an excuse because it's not the perfect circumstances to be able to do it, right? So if that's all you got, that's okay as well. It can be in your garage. It can be on the elliptical at the gym. Whatever it is, set a place that you need to be at so it is clear and there is no time wasted or no energy wasted trying to figure out the perfect space. Again, it's pre-decided beforehand. Everybody has the ability to be somewhere. On, you, have, you, have, you have the ability to be somewhere and to be there on time because that's how job interviews work or that's how meetings work or that's how the important things in life work. So you can make, we can make a meeting. Agreed? Number three, last one. I will pre-decide a plan. Now this is where... Just like, my dad, just like uh, Pastor Daniel said in the announcements with the How to Read the Bible series that we're doing in the next couple weeks, this is where people tend to get overwhelmed, right? This is where it's like, I don't, I don't know how to read. I only have a King James version, and I, or, or I have the message version. I don't like the message version, or I don't know where to start in the Bible. I don't know what to do, where to go. Let's make it real simple. 
okay? Because we're gonna decide in advance how we're going to connect with God. Listen, Pastor Marty did a sermon, I think during COVID around that time, where he talked about connecting to the source. And he used the example of a power brick and an iPhone cable to plug into the source, right? And he was describing that there are several spiritual pathways that we all naturally will drift towards, okay? So here are some of them. And maybe this will jog an idea for you. And I want you to be intentionally thinking about this while we're going through this, okay? (sighs) Because whatever way that you experience God the most, whatever way you can tap into the Holy Spirit the most, that's where you should plan to go. Don't just read the Bible. And again, read the Bible. I'm not saying don't read the Bible. Marty, I'm not saying don't read the Bible. I'm (laughs) I'm just saying as you get started, right, walking on this spiritual journey, and, and trying to get connected, don't make it super difficult for yourself because it, the process will happen. You, if you're spending your time connecting to God, you will get to the word and you have kingdom connections, friends who hold you accountable, you will get there, okay? This is just for you in your own personal time. Now, whatever you experience the most, tap into it. If you love music, ask one of the young adults or somebody that you're close with for a worship playlist. Find a song that resonates with your heart and what you're feeling and ask God to speak to you in that moment of complete focus. If you're an intellectual that enjoys reading, find a Bible plan to study on your YouVersion app. If you don't like music and you don't like reading, we'll pray for you after service because you're too difficult. (laughs) But no, I'm just kidding. But even that, If you don't like music, if you don't like reading, podcast. You can find a good podcast. You can find, if you just like listening to people talk, which I'm glad you guys are here because that's all I'm doing this morning, you can find a good podcast that you can listen to. And you can, there's so many different genres of spirit-led, God-fearing people who do really good podcasts about specific topics. It can be about being, uh, working on being uh, better in your marriage. It can be work on, on uh, theology. If you want to go the theology route, you can find just about everything and anything on the internet. It's so accessible to us, but it's so difficult for us to find a plan. So I would say for you sitting in your seat, think about the thing that allows for you to connect to God the most. And then the last one I'm going to give you, there's one more, just one last little thing. If none of those work, if you hate music, if you don't like to read, and you don't like podcasts, open up your notes app on your phone. Write a prayer. Write how you're feeling that day. Write out what that prayer is to God. And don't get a $25 really nice journal. I've done it so many times. I'll spend $40 on a journal and it looks really pretty and really nice. I write on the first two pages. I put it in my closet and I never look at it again. (laughs) You take your phone everywhere you go. Decide to seek what matters most. Again, we're gonna pre-decide what it is that we're gonna do before we have to connect we have to pre, there's, this is why predecision is important because the day that you wake up that you were just not in the mood, the day that you wake up and you're mentally just not there that day and you're just kind of tired or the day you wake up and you're running late for work, you're gonna face obstacles and you're gonna face resistance and you're gonna end up quitting before you've even started. This is why pre-deciding is so important. Church, we have 168 hours in a week And we are choosing not just to give him the leftovers, but we're going to start with seeking first 
the one who matters most. And see, the cool thing is just like we said with the fruit, when we stay connected, what follows is a steady transformation. And the cool thing is we just start walking with God daily. When, we pl- when you plug your phone in, you don't have to wonder if it's, char- I mean, if you have a janky cable, then maybe, but like, you, you don't have, and maybe, maybe your janky cable is because you hate reading, but you keep reading. Maybe that's your janky cable. Boom. Look at that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But the cool thing is, is we just start to walk with God daily when we stay connected. Because then our time with God isn't just limited to minutes. It's not limited to hours, but it's by seeking first that he goes from being someone we had to try to carve out time with to be somebody that we just walk with daily in our minds and not just for one hour, but every hour. When we work, when we eat, when we live, we're just talking with him like it's nothing. We're talking with God listening to God and aligning our hearts with him, then our posture, our mindset, and our mood for seeking Jesus just kind of becomes second nature. See, what happens is when we're seeking Jesus above everything else, when we walk with him, the spirit can speak so clearly. We'll begin to get convicted of the things that are, that are poisoning us in our lives. We begin to get convicted of those things. And, and honestly, when you connect with the Holy Spirit on a consistent basis, he starts to make you do some really weird stuff, okay? He'll make you pray for the person that cut you off on the freeway immediately, without a second thought. It's like, yeah, Lord, thank you for that person. Help them get to work on time. He begins to grant you patience with the people who irritate you the most. And right now, he, been, he may be granting you patience with me. I don't know. You're like, why is he so energetic right now? And I'm like, I don't know. Call the Holy Spirit or maybe 300 milligrams of caffeine. <laughs> Again, he begins to grant you patience with the ones who irritate you the most. And in the trial of temptation, this is, this is one of the keys here. In the trials before the temptation comes, he will convict you on how much margin you've placed before you cross that line. When you spend time with God, he speaks clearly. And I'm almost done. We're wrapping this up here, so, so, so stay with me. And what happens is this. The cool thing is, is God doesn't just kind of get the leftovers of our life because he's not just a part of your life. He is your life. He's everything, not just one thing. And when we devote ourselves to God by seeking first the one who matters most, we start talking with Jesus and listening to God. He will give you wisdom. He starts to give you encouragement and the words to say to people. That fruit of being, fully de- of being a fully devoted follower of Jesus, aligning your heart to that which lasts, it's not just a moment in time, it's a continual devotion. So today, church, as I ask, with your 168 hours that you are gonna have to spend this week, what do you truly believe in your heart? What really matters in life? What is the thing that is gonna outlast your time here on earth? Because I don't know about you, I, don't wanna, I want to devote my life to that. Not to something that's self-centered. Is it wrong to be ambitious and driven? No, it's not. It's really not. But the fine line is, is when, if you say I'm a follower of Jesus, it becomes wrong when your devotion to Jesus becomes second to everything else. That's the fine line. And I don't know about you, I wanna stay connected to the vine, continuing to bear fruit and to devote my life to something selfless. Not just what's easy and comfortable. I want to seek first the one who matters most because I have to pre-decide that for myself. 
Last thing I'm going to say, and then we'll wrap it up. What I promise you guys is this. As you make this decision, there's going to be resistance. We face and, and, and are opposed to a very real spiritual adversary. You're going to get distracted. If you just got baptized recently, you should be the most vigilant you've ever been because there are distractions that are going to come and pull you right away from where you were. If it's not important to you, and I'm not saying to you, I'm saying this to myself as well. If it's not important to us, we will find an excuse. But if it is important, we'll find a way. Because Jesus is the vine and you are the branch. And so our assignment is easy. Be the branch. The branch needs the vine. The vine isn't optional. The vine is not there for you to kind of get to at the last minute. It's all in. It's saying, I need you, Jesus. I need every bit of you. I need you now. I need you later. I need to stay connected to the vine because you are my source of life. And when we're connected, there's love and there's joy unspeakable. And there's a peace that you cannot find from this world. Amen? And there's a patience. Oh, dear God, I need some patience. There's goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, and there is self-control. And I know right now is that Jesus isn't a part of my life. I don't want him to just be a part of my life. I want him to be my life. And therefore, because of who he is and because eternity is so, so real, and because time is short, what is your life? Life is vapor. It's here and it's gone. It's a vapor. And I want to invest my life in a place that matters. So I have pre-decided I'm not going to wait until tomorrow. I already know what's important tomorrow. I've pre-decided to seek first the one who matters most. I am devoted to Jesus. Say it with me one more time. I will seek first the one who matters most because we are devoted to Jesus. Stand with me as we pray. I just wanted to uh, just close it out. I was going to pray. Let's give it up for Israel. Um, somebody gave me a word this morning uh, as we were going through the message, and I, I want to share that with you. Um, and I just want to speak it as we close. This is our, our, our prayer. And I love to pray, especially to pray psalms. So we started with the psalm, and we're going to end with one. It's Psalm 39, 4 to 6. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you at best. Each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. Father, this morning, I know this is a, uh, a heavy word, um, to be devoted. 
Well, this is the challenge of our life. This, this is remaining. It's, the, it's the, the one thing but the hardest thing. And we know that. And so, Lord, I pray that in this week that you would give us grace, that you would give us um, just, uh, Lord, give us a strength to remain, to push through. And once we begin to do it, Lord, that you would help us to be consistent in it. Lord, we know it's out of our devotion that all of the things that we desire in life, all the things that you desired for us, that the creator desired for his creation comes from our devoted lives, us being connected and not allowing for ourselves to be disconnected and distracted in a world where distractions are at all time high. Father, I raise my hand today. I raise my hand today and say, God, I I am going to refocus on my connection. I'm going to realign my life. I'm going to realign with the vine. And Lord, some here this morning that have come and, and they've been disconnected for a minute, Lord, I pray that you would help them through the grafting process. And some here this morning that haven't been coming on Wednesdays, that if that would be their first on-ramp to come on Wednesday, Lord, that you would uh, give them a a week to remove obstacles that would keep them from here and that you'd give them the strength to to be persistent so that they can start to be consistent. Lord, we know that doing this life by ourselves, just like in the first church back in Acts, In the book of Acts, we weren't meant to do this by ourselves. Whatever it is, whatever it looks like, I pray that this word would take root in our hearts this morning. That we would would reflect and, and, and see that everything that we have, everything that we desire, Everything that we know and that we don't know, it it all comes from you. Let you be our source individually and as a church this morning, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. God bless you guys. We will see you next week. We love you. Don't forget about worship night tonight. Get here.